Hey everyone, this is producer Alan here with a brief note. We recorded this episode on Tuesday, October 18th, at which point the Prime Minister of Britain was in crisis, but still in office, which we'll talk about quite a bit in regards to a head of lettuce on a live stream later in the show. We are releasing this episode on Thursday, the 20th of October, and Liz Truss has resigned as Prime Minister. If that's news to you, we hope that it's not too upsetting. On with the show! Hello, and welcome to The Content Minds. My name is Ryan Broderick, and I just had deer and moose for dinner. Hi, my name is Luke, and I, I, I had some tomato and white bean stew. Oh, that's very nice. Are you going to ask me why I had deer and moose for dinner? I don't know. I assume we got like, lost in the wilds somewhere. No, I'm in Sweden this week. Right, so the wilds. Well, Stockholm looks very much like King's Cross, but like a whole city of King's Cross. Yeah, I've been there. It's a, it's a weird place it has a very odd vibe it's like a very divided city in that there's a a bit in the middle that's very old and clean oldy worldy and then the rest of it is like just a city a lot of pickles a lot of onions a lot of fish yeah, yeah. it's i'm having a good time a lot of fascists that too All right, welcome to the show, guys. This week, we're talking about a whole bunch of different news stories because basically all the things that we've been talking about for the last couple of months have all been updating and like evolving. And so we're just going to do like a big run through of the Internet this week. So to kick things off, as always, the question I ask you every week, Luke. Well, every week I remember. Hey, Luke, how was the Internet this week? Uh, the end of this week was, I don't know, it's kind of hard to put a finger on it because I think the internet has not been all that cohesive this week. If I had to pick a word, I feel like it's been kind of cantankerous. Cantankerous. I don't know if, I've, I don't know if you used that before. I mean, it's been two years. I'm running out of adjectives. No one ever told you that you have to use a different adjective every week. Well, obviously, I can't use the same adjective twice. Why? We've done 118 episodes. Of course, you can use the same adjective twice. No, I've got to keep using new adjectives. Okay, so cantankerous. Why is why? Yeah, is I don't know. Everyone's felt like a bit like fighty for no reason. It's tricky because again, I'm trying to do international internet, whereas obviously British internet is very different because British internet is just watching a government collapse in real time again for like the fourth time in a two years. I don't know, man. You like, want to talk about repeating topics over the over our, how many? British governmental collapses have we talked about on this show over the last two and a half years? Well, they've had to start disambiguating them on Wikipedia. Right, there's too many to follow now. Yeah, there's a 2022, July 2022 government collapse and an October 2022 government collapse, which, yeah, is good. In America, we're having a similar thing, but it's not like governmental. It's more just that various, very wealthy men are acting increasingly insane. And for some reason, like, no one's really doing anything about it. Well, because they have money. No, no, you don't have to do anything when people have money. You just It just happens, and you just keep going. Yeah, that's true. I don't want to talk about the Kanye West, Elon Musk thing. That's what I don't want to talk about this week. Although, interesting, there is there is an interesting link to the British government in it. Really? You you can do this? Do it. Pull oh, this off. Yeah. So, what, in the House of Lords is a guy named Lord Farmer, who is a Brexiteer. He 
was oh is this candace owens's husband yeah his name is Lord Farmer. he's a brexiteer he is a he stood the reform party uh his son is george farmer who's candace's owens husband oh wow okay so let me okay then i guess we are going to talk about this so candace owens is a far-right commentator she works for the daily wire which is owned by ben shapiro she has been buddy buddy with kanye west increasingly over the last couple of weeks Kanye West has announced that he's going to be buying Parler, which was the far right social network that was used to organize and live blog the insurrection. And Candace Owens' husband is this Brexiteer Lord's son. Yeah. Uh, he also, he, they also started up turning. He, he was one of their like main things behind Turning Point UK, which was like the massive failure version of Turning Point USA, which when you consider how badly Turning Point USA went, Turning Point UK went really badly. Well, we've talked about this before. Every time that like some right-wing nut job tries to build an equivalent in the UK to what's going on in the US, it just doesn't work. Yeah, no. For lots of different reasons. Do you think Kanye West is going to actually buy Parler? I mean, probably. I mean, we've spoken about this also before, but the entire point of a social network is the power is the network, and buying these weird bubbles has no power. It has nothing. Like the reason why Elon Musk buying Twitter is different is because Twitter is not a bubble. Things break out of it. Things move between it. But if you buy a yeah a social network that is only has a load of people who agree with you on it, you don't break out from it. Like, I mean, there's exceptions. Obviously, someone like the, like 4chan is a network that breaks out of its ecosystem. Aside from that, I don't really see why you buy. It. I don't see what he gains from it, other than. Yeah, he probably will buy it because he thinks he's Elon Musk. And he's not Elon Musk and doesn't have that much money. He just has a lot of money. And yeah, I don't know. I th First, I think Kanye West is going through a mental health crisis. And I think people are taking advantage of that. I, that doesn't excuse his behavior, yeah. but I think we have to acknowledge it. Yeah. Second, I do think broadly, though, Trump, Kanye West, Elon Musk, when they talk about buying these social networks, they are operating rationally. I think they understand that social networks mean power followings on social networks can be translated into actual influence in the world i think i think they are overestimating the power of the followings that do not break out of a silo oh i do too but i think that they understand that there's something there and then by trying to buy it it's like their dumb rich guy brain saying well that's important i i should own it and i think there's i think they're also very threatened by the ability of other people using those networks to become as powerful as they perceive themselves to be yeah, I mean, I, I kind of think it's like it's like how the rich guys used to buy sports teams. Like, it's kind of a bauble at this point. Like, the thing that they believe in is right now is free speech. And they're all going to talk about free speech and how they can't be cancelled and how it's important not to cancel people. And, you know, yeah, 20 years ago, they would have talked about how, you know, they're really connected to this neighborhood in which the sports club is. And then they buy the sports team. And then 10 years later, they everyone hates them and they're bored. That's true. Also, if any of them really cared about the business aspect, they would just buy Pinterest because that thing's a behemoth. Yeah. Like that's the real social network that runs the internet is Pinterest. It's completely gobbled up Google at this point. That's true. Can I jump in here with a, this is producer Alan. Hi, Alan. We forgot to introduce you, producer Alan. I'm sorry. <laughs> <We don't, laughs> that's well, okay. I think people know he's there. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm always here. Always Somebody makes answer. the show. Right, right. The thing you said about sports teams just made me remember, did either of you ever watch the show Billions? Is that a show you ever watched either of you? Was that with no. The Rock? Was that no, 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 no. That was Ballers. That's a what? different... Ballers and Billions are different shows? Those are different shows. That's correct. And neither of them are Succession, correct? Correct. That's another show. All of them show are shows about toxic rich men behaving poorly. 
Billions was the one where Damian Lewis plays the head of a hedge fund who's like built himself up from nothing and he's worth billions and billions of dollars. And he tries to buy an NFL team. And then there's a like Warren Buffett-esque figure that basically tells him he can't buy an NFL team. And the quote that he says that always resonated with me is, we don't have knighthoods in this country. And so the next best thing we have is owning sports teams. And you, sir are not worthy of owning a sports team. So <laughs> I think that that's a little bit like there's no proper aristocracy in America and there's no way to ascend to it. And so you need these demarcators of that, like, I'm not just a rich person. I'm a rich person who owns something fucking ridiculous that only a few people can own. Right. It's like how Mark Cuban owns the Mavs, I think. Right. Correct. Yeah. Also, while we're talking about sports team, it's pretty unacceptable that you would come on this podcast wearing an Arsenal hat. Uh <laughs> put it on just for you hey you had a good match the other day that match that you went to last week can we focus on the internet please (laughs) so what i think is funny is that a lot of the behavior of these insane men you know particularly elon musk like elon musk is out on twitter posting racist memes saying crazy bullshit about russia and ukraine and acting like a complete asshole all the time and everyone's like i can't believe this this is what it's gonna be like when he owns the website and it's like No one remembers that that kind of guy owned every website before 2006. Yeah. Like, none of these people have ever had to deal with... I was banned from multiple webcomic message boards for getting in fights with the owners of those webcomics. I'm not going to name them. It's okay. Years have passed. Like, the beef is over. But there's really... That kind of man is always the man that owns a social network. There's very little difference, I think, between Elon Musk's behavior and low taxes behavior when he was running something off onto the ground. Yeah, I mean, I guess that the the difference is, is that low taxes power only exists within something awful or however far he can like broadcast out from something awful, whereas Elon Musk's power exists way beyond that. And I think that's kind of the, the, the difference. Like there is a there is a real thing, which is the transmuting of a social network into a propaganda machine, which is bluntly not that hard to do because, you know, hey, TikTok, hey, Yandex, hey, a bunch of things. This is a bunch of things that already do it. And the idea that you could just make Twitter somehow more pro Elon Musk would not be that complicated to do. So yeah, I, I do think I do think there's a potential impact there just because of how dominant Twitter is in the culture. I also think that we're still not very good at talking about how much Twitter is dictating what we see in culture. And that is the best segue I have in me to talk about a theory that I've come up with about Netflix that I, I want to talk to you about. Okay, uh, so the Wall Street Journal published a story about what Netflix is trying to do to figure out how people are using the service. Essentially, they had a whole understanding of what Netflix was like during the pandemic. And now that the pandemic has entered, a let's say, a new phase. It's over. It's just, we understand this. <laughs> sure, right. They don't understand what people want in a Netflix. And this is part of a larger shift philosophically with the platform where they're putting in advertising and they're trying to figure out what the, what the future looks like. So Dell Cameron, a really great reporter at Gizmodo tweeted out this Wall Street Journal story and wrote, Netflix acquired the rights to make a live action of arguably the most popular animated series of all time, took one swing, then abandoned the whole project. Netflix is losing because it objectively sucks. And then Gavia Baker Whitelaw, also a great reporter, 
writes for the Daily Dot, wrote back, they spent almost half a billion dollars on two Knives Out sequels, something I personally appreciate, but is absurd. Also, recently they canceled a show before it even finished filming. The theory that I'm concocting about Netflix is what if they're just totally obsessed with Twitter internally and that all of their weird decisions are them trying to use Twitter over their own metrics because they don't really know how to use their own metrics. Like they're just more interested in Twitter clout, which would also explain their social strategy, which we've talked about extensively on the show. Yeah, their social strategy instantly has infected every other streaming service to the point that I am constantly getting a series of ads on Twitter for other streaming services, which are all memes that I don't understand for shows I don't watch. And it is, it is, I'm starting to lose it. Luke, Rhaenyra Targaryen, that's the tweet. No, that'll be fine. I understand we that. Stand. But it's just we like stand. it's just like, hey, can you believe that the guide is the the book? And I'm like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I don't even know what show you're talking about. Stop doing <laughs> no, this. No, this is true. There is so when <laughs> this is really true. So when you travel and you open up Twitter in different countries, a lot of the ads are geotagged to the language of that country on Twitter. So yeah. if I'm, you know, I'm in Sweden right now, so the Twitter ads are in Swedish. But anywhere you go, you'll get streaming service ads on Twitter. And if I don't recognize the screenshots and I can't read the language, I have genuinely no idea what show is being advertised to me or like if it's even on TV anymore. It's it's utterly baffling. And in English, it even happens where I'm, it'll just be like four beautiful 20 something people wearing ugly river island clothing and looking depressed and they're like this is a mood i'm like who is the mood what is the mood what is this what is any of this Uh, to go back to my theory i think netflix like elon musk actually is making insane business decisions because they care more about twitter than anything else because it's the most publicly viewable metric in front of them okay i i I... basically hold on hold on i'm workshopping this live in real time I believe that one of the backfiring implications of the fact that Netflix doesn't reveal their metrics is that they're focusing on public facing metrics on Twitter because they know they don't have to focus on their own unseen back end metrics. Okay, I need to pull this apart because when you say (laughs) they, I need to know who they are. Netflix. Okay. But is Netflix the creators working on the show or or the people making the decisions about which shows they invest in? I so I assume Netflix <laughs> internally has like a team of people who accept submissions and then those people have bosses and somewhere between those two layers are a bunch of people completely jacked up on Twitter making bizarre business decisions because they want Twitter clout. Okay, so the actual people making the shows, we're not talking about them. We're not talking about the writers, we're not talking about the directors. They're just coming and saying like, hey, I've got a nice show. And then two days later, someone says, I've read a weird tweet about this. Now it's canceled. I think it's a trickle down Twitter brain, which is also going to be the title of this week's episode. Okay. I, I, I don't agree with this at all. Why? I think if anything, they should be listening to Twitter more. Really? You think <laughs> yes. there's a, you think there's a, you think there's a version of Netflix in which it is more focused on Twitter? Yeah. I don't think it's, focused on, I don't think it's focused on Twitter at all. I think it is focused on these kind of, these very odd shows that it's obsessed with and it's doing a lot on and they're not good. It's internal metrics are saying they're good and so they're sticking with them. 
So you think it's that. You think it's the opposite. Right. So if you take, for example, Dharma, the Jeffrey Dharma show, which you said was bad and unpleasant to watch. I would say morally repulsive. Yes. Right. Okay. So we'll take that as an example. Everyone on Twitter saw that and was like, this is bad and should not happen and should not exist. But they were like, this is fine. We're okay with this. I think they're, they're so insulated that they're kind of going back around. So you think that they've got Twitter brain. When they don't, they have like inverse Twitter brain. They're not listening to anyone. They're just being like, hey, the, the mouse is putting pushing the button at the end of its cage and it wants the, the sugar. You, you, you misinterpreted what I was saying here. Okay. I didn't mean that they want to be perceived as good on Twitter. Okay. I'm saying they want to have that exact reaction happen on Twitter. Oh, so they're looking for like, what you're saying is they're just looking for conversation. So what they're, they're not looking for good or bad. They're looking for volume. Just pure Twitter engagement in the same oh, way that Elon okay. Musk has a God's level view and just doesn't care what he's doing because it's all just ups and up ups and downs for him. I think Netflix is, I think after the backlash over the Dave Chappelle anti-trans comedy special, Netflix was like, oh, that's the jam. Everything that we do should have some kind of input or output to Twitter activity, regardless of good or bad. Okay, so, so I, I, that that makes a little bit more sense to me. So what they're doing is they are trying to make shows in which people react emotionally and aggressively, plus or minus, and that's considered a good output. Like if people are talking about it, it's a good output. Yeah, like you could imagine a big thing where they're just counting tweets of okay. Dahmer mentions, but there's no there's no smiley face or angry face. So I don't think that's what they're counting. What do you think they're counting? I think what they're counting is, I mean, we know that their metrics are kind of interesting but weird. Like one of their key metrics is what is the first show that people watch after they subscribe? Right. Because that's considered the show that like is really driving subscribers. I think what they're seeing is, for example, Dharma, a bunch of people being like, hey, everyone's talking about this show. It's apparently awful. I have to watch it. And so they're seeing that spike. They're not seeing whether it's positive or negative. All they're seeing is the input. And the input is a bunch of people are subscribing to Netflix to go like, all right, I have to see this. Their numbers are looking fine and normal, but they're coming at them in totally different ways. Hmm. Like there's there's no difference to them. A load of people subscribing to watch a show because everyone says it's amazing. A load of people subscribing to watch a show because just everyone's talking about it and they're like, I have to know how bad this actually is. And I'm I'm usually very anti the idea of hate watching or hate consuming because I don't really think it, it, it's valid. I think it's a little bit different with Netflix just because, yeah, okay, if someone says this is boring, you're not going to consume it. If someone says it's like actively drives some sort of emotion, you might. And I think so I think it's a little bit different with, with Netflix. Aren't you guys just talking about inherently what ruined democracy in Facebook news feeds for all of like the 2010s where it was just like, it didn't matter what kind of emotional reaction was being created by sensationalist news coverage. It just needed to create a reaction and then that was monetizable and then it ruined sure. yeah. news coverage and democracy in the 2010s. So in the same way, is is this just going to ruin entertainment in the 2020s? It's, the, it's that one Zuckerberg graph where it's like a straight line about how emotional you are and then it's a sharp curve up as you get more emotional at it and then it hits the line where that speech is banned. Right. And yeah, and trying to find like 7.5 before it's banned at 8. Do you think that we'll get a better sense of what's going on when they finally do ads? They'll have to show some metrics, right? Well, they're being added to Barb in the UK. So we will get proper TV ratings for Netflix in the UK. When does that start? November. Yeah, starting in November, it'll, it'll start to report its UK numbers. I still think it's insane that they greenlit two Knives Out sequels. That to me screams Twitter brain. 
Knives Out is liked by like okay, but you've also then got to explain how that same total brain make me means that they keep producing Cobra Kai. I assume it's like one forty-something couple in Crown Heights who loves Knives Out at the Nighthawk Theater and then watching Cobra Kai on the weekend. So we want to talk about kind of an update from what we were talking about last week, because it's gotten like way crazier and more confusing in the week since. What do you remember from the story between Meta and Indian news outlet The Wire? They had a story from Facebook. Facebook denied it and said that it was all faked. And there seemed to be a preponderance of evidence that maybe The Wire had gotten hoaxed is probably the wrong word, but certainly had misinterpreted something and something was, was a little bit off. Right. So... The Wire says Facebook gave administrative access to India's version of Steve Bannon, and he deleted seven posts off Instagram. Facebook says, no, he didn't. The Wire says, oh, look, we have an email from you that you admit that you did it and then claim that you have us on a watch list, which Luke and I think we're probably on to, even though then Facebook says it doesn't exist. We're on the fictional watch list. We're definitely on the fictional one for sure. Okay, so from there, a whole bunch of people are like, that email isn't written in English like an American would type. It doesn't really make any sense. It it has a bunch of listservs that either don't exist or aren't used anymore. The whole thing's fishy. Over the weekend, The Wire comes out and shares a video of them going through the email, trying to prove that it's real. But at the same time, the timestamps on the email in the screenshots keep changing years which somebody noticed? Yeah, there's this one that says 21 and one that says 22. Super weird there, right? And then Meta updates their blog post being like, no, this is still not true. The Wire then releases a statement saying, we stand by our story. We're not going to change it. And there was just this weird awkwardness where basically all of American tech were like, this is not true. None of this happened. And The Wire was saying, yes, it did happen. And then... Today, uh, on October 18th, The Wire puts out a statement. The Wire intends to review its reporting on Meta. Starting from October 6, 2022, The Wire published four reports on Meta, plus a statement on October 17th. Our first report disclosed the fact that Meta's controversial X-Check program was operating in India and that BJP leaders were among those given this status, usually understood as safeguarding their posts from takedown complaints. The document we, re we received also indicated that the role extended to taking down other posts as well, a claim Meta denied. In the second story, we published an email from senior Meta official Andy Stone expressing anger at the leak of the document. The publication of each report prompted appreciation as well as criticism. Meta said the documents reproduced by The Wire are fabricated, but there were also questions from other quarters about the authenticity of the documents which our reports were based. The Wire received the information and other materials from our sources, at least one of whom had either earlier supplied material that we have been using for a separate ongoing investigation. And then The Wire also spoke to Casey Newton at Platformer about this essentially saying that this was a source they had known for a while. They've been working with them. They brought this source in after they heard about the Instagram post being taken down. And then another piece of this, which I haven't seen anywhere else, possibly because it was covered extensively by an absolutely demented right-wing blog in India called Op India that is horrible. And also, I'm pretty sure this isn't based on my viewing habits right now, but it's like got a bunch of like hentai programmatic advertising on the page I'm looking at right now. Sure, sure. Maybe it's my browsing. I don't know. But I don't think that's true. I've changed countries recently. so Well, maybe it's a Swedish thing. It could be a Swedish thing. You're right. It could be a Swedish thing. So one thing that Op India did point out, unfortunately, 
because once again, they're awful, is that cringe archivist, the, the, the user that had seven posts removed that kicked off this entire news cycle, have, has already come out publicly and said that they never accused Instagram of doing that. In fact, they believed the whole time that it was an a, it was a problem with the AI filtering and that it was just an accident. Hmm. So it seems like the Wire journalist saw this, didn't really coordinate with the initial user that had this happen to them, went to their source who may have been setting them up for months for the, an exact situation like this, which is my personal belief, and then got duped really hard, really publicly. But what's even weirder though, and this is why the story just like keeps changing constantly, is that the video that they used features a an instance of workplace. You know, you, you know what workplace is? Yeah, it's the uh, kind of the internal, it's Facebook internet basically. Yes, but anyone can set up an instance of it with like a trial version. So yeah. this instance of Instagram workplace was able to be set up, but then as someone else pointed out that it should be not possible to set up a instance of workplace called Instagram. Like, <laughs> like that is a that is a ridiculous thing. And, you know, as much as Facebook has been beating this drum being like none of this is true, a lot of people have come forward saying enough of this is based on things that are half true that you need to explain in great detail how this happened and how this could have happened, including how you could set up an instance of workplace called Instagram and then use that to create this extensive of a of a fake document trail, which I think is fair. So, so the best explanation of this is that basically someone has taken things that they know, used them to create a hoax. So there's kind of enough real stuff tumble up with non-real stuff that it's, it's becomes everything is a little bit gray. I think so. I think the most obvious explanation is that this was a politically motivated hoax to make the wire look bad. India is a country with criminal libel laws, I think kind of makes a lot of sense that this was some kind of troll. That kind of thing happens in the U.S. all the time. There's also a version of this where their source may have worked at Meta in the past, may be connected to Meta in some way, and maybe having some kind of mental health crisis, right? Yeah. This is another thing that can happen. And in fact, I've definitely come across sources who believe that they have something and it becomes very clear that they don't. And, you know, luckily you don't fall for it. But I could easily see a situation where the initial source gets it wrong and what The Wire is doing is inadvertently publishing someone going down a really out of control spiral trying to make this look legit after not getting it legit. Yeah. And it could be totally innocent to The Wire. It could just be that this source wants to really back up what they what they did and it wasn't true. Yeah. There's, there's an awful lot there, which, which, I mean, it doesn't put anyone in a good light. No, I just, I think that Facebook has got to do something about misinformation, man. You know, it's so crazy. <laughs> Isn't there also another part of this where it's, Everyone is so terrified of being labeled as having been a part of misinformation that they just sort of double down in an effort to sidestep it. Because it seems like the wire at any point here could have been like, you know what? Yeah, we maybe got part of this wrong. Or Meta could have been like, oh, yeah, we could have been more strict about whatever. But everyone is everyone is so aware of how important it is to get this shit right that no one's willing to admit to being wrong. And then it just makes all of it worse over and over and over again. I think that's totally right. I I think there's th this bizarre reaction from the not right-wing media right now to be morally and factually and totally perfect in every way as a, a way to make up for the fact that there 
they're not taking the swings and being as aggressive as right wing media. And I, I, I in in India, it's a bit different because after almost 10 years of Modi and the BJP being in power, it's essentially right wing media and activist media. There's not a and Casey Newton touches on this in in his piece as well. The the middle is 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 going away quite a bit. But I think there's this idea that we can defeat them with facts and pure journalism and not playing dirty. And part of that means that when you screw up, you can't really easily admit that you screwed up because then you've lost the the only thing you, you believe you have over them, which is a moral high ground. When who gives a shit? <laughs> that's 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 my very like simple thing is like you don't have to be like you don't have to do that. But uh, what's also interesting is that this process that's happened to Indian media is happening to all other parts of Indian pop culture. It's it's very aggressive. <sighs> I'm really worried about the next Indian election, which is in like 2024. Like I feel that's going to be quite bad, and this just sort of sets the whole thing up as being even worse. Yeah, I knew I knew YouTubers working in India a couple of years ago where one of them had to go into hiding because they had done some very, very, you know, by the books, YouTuber video kind of thing. And a bunch of right wing activists were threatening to throw permanent ink on them and hunt them down in the street. It's just a totally different reality. And I, I think that a lot of the American journalists that were following this at the beginning maybe didn't seem to understand the stakes going the other way as well. In the same way that like the wire, I wish could have just admitted they, they probably screwed up. I also understand maybe the safety risks and legal risks in, in admitting they did. Yeah. Mm. Ugh. Okay. Seems bad for everyone. <laughs> the best stories. Good sum up. Good sum up. Well, I, I do hope we get some answers either from the wire or from meta. I think no matter what we just, I just want to know what happened. Just as just as a as a an ending to a killer yarn. I want to know what what happened here. Also, the BJP absolutely does have the ability to influence and moderation decisions that happen on Facebook and Instagram, and that is that is true. Like that is a that is that. Yeah, I mean we've seen we've seen that just from the evidence. We don't need to know any any inside stories on that. It's really clear that, that happens. It's very clear that that happens. So you know, I hope no one forgets about that as well. Luke, I think it's time, unfortunately, for our British listeners, but as a nice service for our American listeners, for you to explain what exactly is happening to your government right now. Because there's like a lettuce that's being live streamed, wilting on camera. Can you just talk us through the whole thing, please? So Prime Minister Liz Truss, who has now been Prime Minister for, as we record this, uh, I think 39 days, she did a whole thing the other week where she kind of collapsed the economy for a bit of a laugh, something funny. <laughs> so she fired the. I know that. Wait, hold on. I know the British economy is doing really badly because all the British YouTubers I watch who review Nintendo Switch games are becoming like very grumpy about how expensive Nintendo Switch games are. Yeah. So they're mad about everything's got more expensive, but that's happening around the world. But we just made it a lot worse really, really quickly. And then uh, this was Friday two weeks ago. And then we, this last Friday, we reversed it all. We fired the original chancellor who did it, brought in a new chancellor. But the government is so unpopular now that the prime minister in the UK is only marginally more popular than Putin. Than Putin? Yeah, which is... Wow, that is that's that's pretty bad. That's pretty bad, yeah. Less popular than Boris Johnson at his worst moment. Less popular than Jeremy Corbyn at his worst moment. Just the least popular prime minister. It just sounds like sexism to me, you know? Why are all these men more popular than Liz Truss? She's just... Also less popular than Theresa May, to okay. the extent that Theresa right. May is now being talked about as a possible replacement. 
No way. Yeah, we got to bring awesome. back Theresa May. You got to bring her back. I loved her. She was awesome. And also, like, she had a she had an energy to her. She had a charisma to her, you know? <sighs> sure. <laughs> I mean, yeah. She walked like a robot shit itself. But other than that, I thought she was quite charming. Well, um, even as this prime minister talks like she's shit herself. Oh, no, Liz, Tr Liz Truss honestly talks like she just did a whole bunch of balloons. Yeah. She has she has like permanent nitrous brain. It's unbelievable. Yeah, she has like mid half half 12 at a house party in Dalston conversational styling. Every every sentence she speaks sounds like it's going to end with her asking if she can bum a cigarette yeah yeah like she she is just vacant glass-eyed balloon face it's unbelievable yeah anyway uh that's really bad she is on the way out but it's just not clear how long so the daily star a british tabloid has started to do a live stream of a lettuce <laughs> disintegrating <laughs> see if the lettuce will disintegrate first or to or, or, or list trust will have to quit first so a lot of people have like talked about this and at no point has anyone explained is there a connection between Liz Truss and lettuce? Like, is that a thing or is it just random? I think it's random. There's like, did she say anything about lettuce or did the Daily Star just be like, what, like, let's just find a head of lettuce and stick it on a camera? So I believe what happened was the, the economist said that Truss's time in charge of the government was approximately the same as that of the shelf life of a lettuce. So the tabloid... <laughs> Daily Star set up a thing which is like, all right, here's a lettuce. Let's let's see how this goes. You're you're ignoring the most important part about the lettuce is that they put giant googly eyes on it. Not at first. No, no, no. They've oh. also given it. A, they've also given it a Lucasade now. What? No. Oh, for Americans, Lucasade is a uh, British Gatorade, but it's chalkier, I find, and it fixes a hangover faster. It has more glucose in it. They're mixing up. They're giving a wine bottle. They're putting a wig on it. They they you know they're making sure it's having a good time. So. The Daily Star, what's their political affiliation? Anarchist, I guess. That's good. I feel like America would be a better place if we still had those kind of places. Basically, the the, the one beyond a standard tabloid, where if you have, like, the, the, the mirror is a left-wing tabloid and the sun is a right-wing tabloid, the star are just, like, a be they, they've, they no longer have a political affiliation because they are pure tabloid. Do they have porn in it? They have page three girls, yes. Okay. In fact, in fact, all the rest of the stuff on this channel where they're streaming the lettuce is just page three girls discussing the news, <laughs> which is incredibly fun. <laughs> I see. I think, I think there, there's really only one way to, to to fix the American culture war, and I think it's doing dumb shit like this more in like in large publications. It's so dumb. The Daily Star is large, right? Like they're like a, they're not like they're not a small paper, right? Well, they've reached now, I think, which is like a company that owns a bunch of different newspapers. I think their circulation is pretty low now. Oh well, after this, I hope it climbs up. Actually, no. You know what? They're they're, they're doing better than you might think. There you go. I mean, they're actually almost they're actually, they're actually pretty close to my newspapers. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys got to do a live stream of Liz, Liz Truss as a lettuce. I wish we thought of it. Do you think she'll go? I mean, she's not going to make, she won't make the next election. Like, that's a cast iron 100% guarantee prediction. Whether or not that means she goes in the next week, in the next month, in the next six months, not sure. It may be that they kind of try and get out of this period, hold on, hope the markets don't freak out again, and just kind of let it go. But it's... There's a lot. There's a lot that could change. Like the main thing about this is, is that there has been a forty-year project to to take the British government over 
by free marketeers, by groups of think tanks, by groups of ideological people who, who basically are trying to cut taxes, go for growth and go for like extreme big business and go very extreme on that, that side of economics. Brexit was part of it. You know, it wasn't the only contributing factor, there are lots of contributing factors. But this has been going for literally like decades. And this is their moment. They got the person in. <laughs> they got the chancellor in. This is it. They can do it. They can do everything they've ever wanted to do that they've been working towards for decades. They do it and it immediately goes wrong in a horrible, horrible way. So badly they have to reverse the entire thing. And so her entire life's work is essentially junked after, I don't know, 14 days, I think. It's great. All right, I have to talk about this thing that happened on British Twitter in the last week, which made like a series of people's minds melt. So there is a Twitter user who is known, who's called Supertansky. So, sorry, what? Super, super tan ski. Super tan. S-K-I-I-I. Super tan ski? Yeah. Okay, I've not heard about this. She is a... No, she is a very hardcore anti-Tory person. Anti-Tory. Not a, yeah, not a, like a necessarily a pro-Corbyn person, not a kind of... An anti-right-wing person. She, she she comes from a kind of the FBPE background. So follow back pro-EU. So like what? the radical Remainer wing of Remainers. What is any of this? Okay, sure. Yeah, all right, yeah. fine. Well, basically since 2016, a bunch of people sprung up as kind of Remainer influences, like it became a political tendency that people uh, yeah. followed, and they... it's like the resistance people in the U.S. Yeah. It is exactly like the resistance people in the U.S. She's one of them. She met a guy called Russ in Cheshire, who is also a one of these people. It's a, it's a man named Russ from yeah. the city or town of Cheshire. Yeah, I, I don't know if he's actually from there, but they are all. I don't say grifters because it's not quite correct, but they are certainly. I love how tangled up you are trying to describe this. Actually, well, I don't want to. I don't want to be too unpleasant towards them because I don't think they're doing anything wrong. But at the same time, it is extremely embarrassing for everyone involved. So, so tell me more about the characters involved here, because I think that's where I'm the foggiest. All right, all right. So, so basically, there is a raft of people in the UK who are basically resistance grifters. Uh huh. But for the for anti-Brexit stuff, yeah, okay. which has transmogrified into an anti-Tory thing, which is useful because everyone hates them right now. They are using their what they do to actually. There's a very direct parallel, which is you know the Lincoln Project in the US. I I have I have met them. Yeah, yeah. They, there's an exact parallel in the UK called "Led by Donkeys." What? Yeah, it's like lions led by donkeys. It's the phrase where like everyone in the country's good, but the leaders are bad. Okay. It was used about it was used about the First World War. Okay, uh, but yeah. Led by led by donkeys are the British Lincoln Project. <laughs> also, also wildly, they were founded in the birdcage in Stoke Newington. <laughs> the British Lincoln Project started in the birdcage. Wait, like the uh, the is the birdcage the one that used to be a cocktail bar and then struggled as a cocktail bar and then had become like a tea room for a while? No, no, that's the one opposite uh, up, end of. The, but we've been there basically. We've been to that okay, pub a bunch okay. of times. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Continue. Okay, all right. Whatever. And they're all basically, they have found a way to monetize their brands in various different ways. So wait, like the Lincoln Project, are they are they like center-right Twitter users? No, no, no. So they are they are liberals. They are like basically <laughs> London liberals. 
I see. Yeah. Okay. Uh, although I actually don't know if the two I'm talking about now are that, but they are all kind of in the same same genre, you know. So they've figured out they have patreons, they are selling books, they are doing what's that thing? The, the like that Brooklyn, thing? like that Brooklyn dad defiant guy, that horny yeah, guy. Yeah. Who... That's the perfect analogy. Yes, they're like okay. that guy. All right. But as a result, they have a load of fans who just absolutely love them. Sure. Then finally, this super tan person whose real name is Tan Smith, I think, met up with Russ in Cheshire. And they like shared a photo and all of their fans were like, hey, you guys should have babies together, which is super weird. That is super weird. Then a bunch of people pointed out how weird that was. Then they got absolutely furious at the people who were pointing out like, hey, it's weird that your followers keep trying to pretend you guys are having sex in a very odd way. And then everyone got absolutely furious and was yelling at each other. And then the police were called. The what? Yeah, someone's being investigated. Wait, hold on. Now, I feel like you you were describing a very typical Twitter incident up until the police were called. Why were the police called? Tan Smith is accusing a guy called Rob of harassment. <laughs> okay, so first, yeah. like, yeah, okay, it's probably not good to say that two random people on the internet should have sex with each other. Although, I would also argue that, like, that's what the internet's been used for since the very beginning. So, But he also did not, he did not say that. He was pointing out that their followers were saying that. But also, it is weird to point that out. It was the whole thing is incredibly strange, and it is like it is like parasocial behavior taken to the next level. Yes, but with people who aren't famous. I think this is interesting. So, and 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 maybe maybe a view of where the resistance stuff is headed, if not already there. So in America, obviously, the the resistance movement has deteriorated. I guess you could say into a couple weird dudes who just say really weird stuff to young women on Twitter and then ask for people to subscribe to their Patreon so they can tweet more to save democracy. Fine. You know what? Whatever. It's parasocial in a sense, but a lot of the men in the resistance movement are old. So it's not super parasocial because they're not like totally capable of leaning fully into that. And I, I'm looking at Tan Smith's account right now and she seems younger than the average American resistance grifter. And I wonder if that's part of it. The fact that she's on Instagram, the fact that she's on TikTok, the fact that she seems younger and cooler and relatable, maybe that's why they're so parasocial with her. I mean, maybe, but there's there's something about it. There's, there's other guys. So there's a guy called RS Archer, who is not a person, but is an account that what? is- What? <sighs> he got famous a while back, but he for basically he writes fan fiction about Brexiteers discovering that Brexit's bad. What? Oh God, Jesus! It just get. Hold on, you got to hold on. I gotta look at this. RS, his okay. Wait, his avatar is awesome. It's basically a Chad esque black and white photo of a man with a beard wearing like a cabbie hat. Yeah. And his he describes himself as a historian and explorer, which means he's neither. And all of his stuff, yeah, is just. Okay, this is fascinating. So there's this whole thing that a lot of British right-wing commentators do where they they go through tabloids and they weaponize what they see in tabloids on Twitter. And they say, this random thing is actually indicative of a much larger thing. And if you let leftism into your community, this will be your everyday. So they'll find you know a Daily Mail story about an illegal immigrant attacking somebody and say, this is happening everywhere. Or they look for uh, a trans person you know, committing some kind of crime and say, they all do this. But what's really interesting is that RS Archer, this account that I'm looking at, is essentially attempting to do that in reverse. 
but for anti-Brexit stuff. Yeah, essentially. Kind of speaks to the truth of all this, which is that all of politics now is just reading and reacting to the news. Can I, can I read this tweet from Super Tansky that just is so delightful? I can't let it go. Do it. Yes. Can I do it in a bad British accent? Yes. Y- yeah. Yeah, please. <clears throat> My heart aches today. Britain is broken. I've watched in horror for years as they've taken our lives, fight, right, and spirit. I feel helpless <laughs> because whether or not we have a say is their choice. Watching V for Vendetta again just so I can feel something that isn't despair. Oh. Yeah. Oh, man, that's so good. That's so good. Oh, my God. Also, the most important thing about this is that you absolutely know that every single one of these people absolutely fucking loved the 2012 Olympics. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's this it's so odd. It's it's such an odd position, and everyone's been like radicalized into a position that it's it's almost like it's being radicalized in a position that isn't that radical. And so all they can say is it's an entire demographic of people who have that teacup that has the fake mustache on it. They used to. They don't need more, but they. It's in the cupboard, but they've got that. You know, it's like yeah, that's exactly right. It's that sort of like it's twee centrism. Yeah, though twee centrism is very twee. Yeah, it is. It is just there's something so odd about the whole thing, and it's very hard to figure out. Are they making money? Are they making a lot of money for this stuff? I don't know if they're making a lot of money, but they're making money from it. They're certainly making enough to keep doing it. Should we be doing this? Like jumping on jumping onto her page, she has a thousand supporters, which I'm guessing is three pound each. She's probably making like three grand a month from it. So yeah, it's like enough to. That's more than we're making for this show. We got to pivot, dude. <laughs> I know it's just there's this it is very odd to kind of see this like rump group of people who are yeah it, it, it's almost like they're they're people like aggressively dedicated to making sure that everyone knows that like roast potatoes are good or something and it's like sure everyone agrees with this now it's fine like what are you talking about I'm gonna get out there and I'm gonna tweet I hope you Corbin supporters are happy just every day until I have a thousand supporters on Patreon yeah I mean that's just, it, it, I don't know it's just it's it's this is great. I, I, it's very I think, strange. I think this is exactly where it's going to head as the resistance movement in the U.S. becomes grimmer and 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 less sustainable. Because at, at this point, it's essentially three guys uh, and maybe a couple podcast hosts. But I, I think it's going to... I mean, is it not the entirety of Crooked Media? I'm unclear what the status of that whole deal is. I... I, I'm I'm unsure. What... I mean, I swear I need to see a new Crooked Media podcast every week. So I see, they seem to be doing fine. Basically... I think I think what they're doing is they're kind of holding on for the idea that Trump will come back and then they're going to well knock it out the park. Hopefully Elon Musk buys Twitter and all these people can take all the energy that they have waiting for Trump to become president again and use it on Elon Musk every day. In fact, there's a way to view this where if Elon Musk becomes head of Twitter, all the people who, you know, peaked during the Trump administration can just live out their fantasy of fighting against a, a rich, powerful sociopath in like a, a virtual simulation for, for years. We, and they can, we can just leave them behind, which is great. I mean, well, the funniest thing of all of this stuff is that most of these people who hate each other basically agree. Like they all have kind of the same opinions. They just find the way that other people do it cringe because some people are asking for money and some people aren't. And that's essentially all there is to it. That's that's my entire political belief, actually. So, yeah, I agree. <laughs> hey, Luke, have you consumed any content to stay sane this week? And by content to stay sane this week, I mean, have you watched all of She-Hulk?
Yeah, I've watched all She-Hulk. Before we go over to our bonus episodes, which are provided for paying subscribers, which you can check out at thecontentminds.com. I think I didn't mention that it's for paying subscribers, and I got an email from someone being like, real cheeky to charge for this, and I didn't <laughs> answer, but I'm addressing you now on the show. Yes, it costs some money. It helps us keep the show moving. Anyways, what did you rate the entirety of She-Hulk out of 10? Out of five, because you can't do 10. We've had this problem before. Um, oh, I don't know. I mean, not high. Three, maybe? I'm going to give it a f- four and a half at least, if not five. Oh. Wait, wait hang on. Are we doing it? Oh, sorry, was that five? I thought it was out of ten. What? I just said you can't do ten. <laughs> I, thought you just said you, I thought you just said you can't give it ten. <laughs> no, you can't You can't think in terms of ten. So we all, I oh. asked oh, last in that time I In that case, that's fine. That's like a one. You were going to give it a three out of ten? Yeah, I did not like it. Wow. Okay. Well, we're gonna have some words, Alan. What would what would you give it out of ten? I guess. So I started it, gave up because I thought it was too family friendly, entertainment and lame. And then I binged the last six last night, and the way that it ended, I felt fully paid off, and I came out of it with the warm fuzzy feeling that I wanted. What speed? What speed are we watching on? One point five x. One point five x. Okay. Okay. Uh, we're gonna go talk about that on our bonus episode. Which are we, are we also gonna run run via House of Dragon? House of the Dragon as well. I mean, I think we got one episode left. Let's wait, and we'll do the whole thing next week. All right. You, so thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Alan, for making the beautiful soundscapes that are currently hitting your ear holes. And just a reminder, we have a show on November 10th in King's Cross. You can find more information about that in this week's show notes. It's going to be absolutely great. We have all kinds of amazing guests, and we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.